People pay money to see me in a 20 by 20 ring. fans welcome back to another bonus edition of the 20 by 20 ring crew i am your host joe and i'm here with my brother matt hello and we're here for a bonus episode to celebrate an anniversary happy anniversary to wcw uncensored 1999 20 years 20 years 20 years ago uh right there in good old louisville kentucky at Freedom Hall. Former home of the Cardinals. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if anything happens there anymore. I, yeah, I don't. I, I couldn't tell you right off the top of my head. Um, but this is where this take this took place twenty years ago. Decent sized crowd. Yeah, fifteen, uh, almost sixteen thousand people in attendance. Um, this actually happened on March fourteenth of nineteen ninety nine. So we're celebrating it a day later. What an interesting time for WCW at this point. I found myself, you know, when I went back to watch this uh, this pay-per-view, I wasn't completely disheartened by WCW. And uh, it, it isn't like uh, the, the stuff that they put out in, in 2000 and 2001, where you could tell the product overall was just completely deteriorating at, at, a, at a much quicker pace, and obviously leading to their demise, but... Here in 1999, early 1999 at that, you have a pretty solid card in WCW Uncensored. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was interesting going back and watching this because this was something that I actually didn't watch but, uh, when when it was happening okay. you know, in 1999. It was very much, uh, I was very much a WWF guy by that point, so... Uh, going back and watching it, um, I was I was the same way. There was there was, you know, there was time. There was things I I liked, things I didn't like. But overall, it was it was a pretty fun card. Dare I say I was pre- pleasantly surprised. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Your announced team for this pay per view was Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and Mike Tenay. Then you had David Pinzer as the ring announcer. We're going to kind of. Do this a la watch along style. So, for those of you who don't have a subscription, stop on over to 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE Network. That's all one word. And get yourself a WWE Network subscription. That's how we're watching the pay per view while we podcast. We're, we're using this uh, this version because I'm, I'm assuming. At some point, the video footage has been edited one way or another from the actual event. For those of you who have it on tape, you can follow along. I'm sure we're going to come across some discrepancies, but uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's... I I do have this. I bet you do, tape. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have the actual pay-per-view Sweet. on tape, so I wonder how I got that. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, you also have me and Gene as as uh, part of the announce crew. He's doing the the interviews and something very important for this pay per view. 
Mean Gene announces that this pay-per-view is always meant for the hosting of unsanctioned matches by WCW. And uh, it's kind of like to just let things that are so out of whack kind of correct themselves. That's how he refers to it. And I really like that idea. I really like that idea that you should have in your organization at least one card. Just a free-for-all. Like, you know what? This is our smorgasbord of storylines that need to get rectified or or what have you. I'm like, here, have at it. Anything goes. I really like that concept. And you, over the years, we've seen other promotions do something similar. Ring of Honor uh, used to do one. I forget what it was called right off the top of my head. But very much like a very random card they would put together. And then, you know, you had... Uh, I'm sure you've had other indie promotions kind of do the same thing or something along the same vein, but I really like that concept. Of just a free-for-all? Just a free-for-all. I'm a fan of, uh, you, you know, actually, you know, before we talk about this more, let's uh, let's get started on the show. Let's do it. And get it going. And then I, I, will, I will jump in. So do you want to do, you want to do the official countdown? We'll do the official countdown, yeah. all right? All right, but before we do that, just so you guys know, for if you're unfamiliar with the WWE Network, obviously go to WCW, pay-per-views, uncensored, 1999. Uh, you get past of get past the point of the ad, if there is an ad. Get past the point of the, any disclaimer, which I think there is a disclaimer, yeah. as well mm-hmm. as the uh, the rating system. You should have zero, six zeros on, on your timeline. If you got six zeros, then you're exactly where we're at. And then we'll start it up in... Uh, Five, four, three, two, one, and we're starting. And we are we are live. We're live, <laughs> pal. <laughs> the, the opening segment... Now, now as, it's, as it's pl- the opening parts uh, is, is playing along, I'm a fan of theme pay-per-views when done... Correctly. Sporad- co- correctly, <laughs> and, and more importantly, sporadically. You know? Yeah, yeah, because if you if you're constantly working at different themes, it does tend to be overkill. You know when 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 WWE was doing the um, the Extreme Rules pay per views for a while, they they were kind of working because you know you would have the, those rivalries, and it's like we have to sell it inside of a cage, or you know what, a pinfall is not enough. Like a ten count's got to be done, so let's do the Last Man Standing match. You know you had the uh, the, the, the two wrestlers that, you know, how far we can go, you know, let's, so let's do an Iron Man match, a 30-minute Iron Man match. You know, you, you just had a variety of stuff. And, you know, I, I know the guys out there are not fans of gimmicks, but piss off. Gimmicks are great. When, <laughs> <laughs> when done when done sporadically and, 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 and correctly, you know, it's it all can work. So... We uh, we see the pyro going on uncensored, and as we get going here, um, this is one of the last times that you see that WCW logo. Yeah. What is uh, what what's your take on, on the logo of WCW? Because I know you have your opinion on the on the the, the newer. The newer one, star or whatever yeah, the hell that is, like the the star shaped one was a complete fuck up. It was it was the the pure definition of what Fubar is fucked up beyond all recognition, <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but that logo came from a corporate executive that was part of the company at the time when they were trying to rebrand themselves, 
he had no prior art direction. He had no art degree. He, he had zero ounces of creativity in his blood. And for some reason, the company entrusted this man <laughs> with making a logo. And that was the final logo used by WCW. Not the one that we see here, like the classic WCW from the 90s. Um, which I'm a fan of. I think it's simple. I think it works. Uh, it looks great on their mat. I always, I always love that too. On, on their, on their baby. Well, that that star, you can't, you don't know what it's saying. You can't, you have to like really squint and look at yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. It's not appealing. Uh, Eric Bischoff says, and this is kind of weird, but it looks like a cat's sphincter. Which I, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! I don't know how many. Uh, yeah, I don't know how many of those he's looking at, but anyways, exactly. Uh, the uncensored looks very much like a like a ransom note. It does, you know. So yeah. it, it's pretty intriguing, but I don't recall though other uncensored 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 pay per views um, being unsanctioned though. I I don't mean Gene's trying to push it. But yeah, according to what he says on here here on this pay per view, the past four years have all been un, quote-unquote un, unsanctioned WCW matches. So, starting from 96 through 99, yeah. those four years is what he's talking about as we see the uh, now defunct WCW hotline. $1.69 a minute. $1.69 a minute. Dude, I, there's no way. I would never do that. I never did do that, but... You never called any, like, 800 numbers or... Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah. I did that, but not for wrestling. <laughs> uh, really quick anecdote here, <laughs> as we see the fans, they pan over the fans. Uh, 800 <laughs> numbers. Back in the day when there used to be pay phones, yeah. if you dialed, and I don't know why this fucking works. I don't know why that kid in the NWO Wolfpack shirt looked fake, but he did. <laughs> it looked like somebody brought a dial. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just look fake. <laughs> Back in the day when you had 800 numbers on payphones, uh, my buddies and I always used to harass this man who was who was contacted at the following number. And I'm not asking you to 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 use this number, but we always and it was it wasn't my idea originally, but I I ended up going along with it. It was 1 800 wet slit. <laughs> And for whatever reason, you would always get con- you would con- get connected to a company, uh, and this guy, the same guy, would always answer the phone. And when you would ask him like stuff like, "Is this one eight hundred wet slit?" He would get irate because apparently he got quite a few calls about that. So uh, we always used to just, you know, when we were bored, we'd go find a payphone, dial it for free, and. And just berate the man, and and we had fun doing it. So, one eight hundred wet slit. Yes. I wonder what you'd get nowadays. I don't know. I'm not about to try it though. Yeah, yeah. I'll we'll leave that alone. So I gotta ask because I I I, uh, I think I ask every time we do one of these uh, watch alongs or uh, go back to old pay reviews. Were you watching this live? I was, and I didn't pay for it. Didn't pay for it. That was my <laughs> next question. So we see here, we see Mikey Whipwreck <laughs> making his uh, WCW debut here. Debut in a pay-per-view. I, I, how the... I mean, obviously we know WCW didn't last, but 
This is a rarity, nonetheless. Like, how many guys debut at a fucking pay-per-view? Yeah, Anywhere. There's not many. No, not many. First one that pops in my head was uh, is Taz. Yeah. Royal Rumble 2000. That's right. But uh, Mikey Whiprack, he's... Uh, not only that, but he's in a championship match. Yeah, like, <laughs> right away. How the fuck does this work? Hey, you, get to, you get to shot the Cruiserweight title against uh, against Billy Kidman, or I guess he's just now Kidman. Yeah. That's such a Vince McMahon thing. I know <laughs> this is WCW, but you ever notice how he'll take somebody's, like, name and it's like, you got to be one word now. Well, they did that with uh, Cien Almas. Yeah. You know? He's, well, now, he's now just Andrade. Like, yeah. What the fuck? Well, the, but then you got like guy like Apollo Cruz who went to Apollo, and then it's like, nah, you put Cruz back on. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, Mikey Whipwreck, what do you, what do you, what's your take on on, on Whipwreck? Whipwreck in WCW just did not work for me. It's a lot of guys from ECW and WCW. Well, you know those guys. ECW was its own beast, and it's it's such a fucking shame that it didn't work out because. They had such freedom with their characters, like organically. Yeah. To where, yeah, they got a little bit of direction from from Paul Heyman, but essentially, like, hey, you're out there, you got to figure it out for yourself. You got to become your own star, and then you, it doesn't translate well over to places like WCW and the WWF, where there's a lot more creative control placed on people's characters. And I think this is what you kind of have here with Mikey Whipwreck because he's forced to, first of all, wrestle a, a lot of guys that are way more seasoned than him. Yeah. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Mikey Whipwreck, but it his lack of experience with not just wrestling, but also an actual wrestling promotion that wasn't an ECW-style ran promotion, it, it shows. And and again, I don't want to completely discredit him because obviously he he can work, but that's where that that this there's something lost in translation for me, Mikey Whipwreck in WCW. You got to remember too, if you go back to Paul Heyman talking about Mikey Whipwreck, you know, for those who don't know, he was a he was a kid that worked on the ring crew, like unofficially. One and, of us. Yeah. <laughs> And what they would, you know, allow them to do when they were finished is that they could go in the ring and, you know, basically fuck around for a bit, take some bumps and just, you know, play around until it's time for, you know, the show to get ready and production and all that stuff. And uh, Whipwreck was one of those kids that uh, take the bumps and bounce off the ropes and, and, and Heyman took notice of, of how he would fall. So... He asked him if he wanted to be a wrestler, and, you know, Whipwreck, of course, that was his dream. <laughs> so they trained him, but they trained him in, in, in the sense of taking bumps. And that's what he did, was take bumps. Yeah. For the longest time, he didn't really have a wrestling move. And that was, that was his gimmick. He was the guy that would get beat up. He was like the... He was, he was the jobber for ECW. I mean, yeah, he... He eventually became a, a bigger name and, and, and won the world heavyweight title there and all that stuff, but like that was that was his thing, and he was always going to be at disadvantage, you know, going into uh, you know a match against somebody like Kidman, where he's has the experience of, of you know different genres of, of wrestling, where 
Whipwreck doesn't, and it's it's a combination of a lot of things. It's the lack of experience, and it just being in a completely different world. <laughs> it was a completely different world. Good lord! And uh, you know, it, it's Mikey Whipwreck was never going to get anything anywhere in in, in WCW, and, and it wasn't completely his fault either. So, uh, but yeah, it, it is it is weird, and um, I will say this though, like. I've always had respect for Whipwreck because he, because of his his tenacity in that ring and just the ability to get other guys over. He's he's definitely definitely has a would have a spot on my roster. I at least I would try to. No guarantees, of course, but his ability to get talent over and still have the uh, mentality to improve his his in ring in ring work. Yeah, I would take him. Think about him in in, uh, in an NXT environment these days. Right. You know, like, they would obviously take the time to train him. And not only that, he'd be able to give back right away and, and help teach the other guys. And saying that, it reminds me of uh, kind of like Sammy Callahan. Yeah. You know, very very much so where a guy, he, he did. He learned there. And he he kind of grew up there, and although he wasn't there um, for for the interim of of what he wanted to be, like he was there helping train guys and stuff as he was coming up, and that could have been Mikey Whipwreck, right? Easily, uh, Whipwreck would only go on to have four more, or three more pay per view appearances for WCW. Uh, he'd lose to Scotty Riggs at Spring Stampede. And then he also lost against Van Hammer at the Great American Bash. And his his final pay-per-view match was a Junkyard Invitational, which happened at Bash at the Beach. He would later leave uh, the company because he he was just disillusioned. He wasn't getting anywhere. He, they were not pushing him like he wanted to be pushed. Um... Because he just kind of generally wrestled um, in the cruiserweight division, or it was against ECW guys doing hardcore shit, and that was he kind of got pigeonholed into those those two tropes, um, and that made him have second thoughts about being with WCW. Which I agree, I, it would have given me second thoughts as well. His last match was a draw against Chase Tatum on an August twenty third episode of Monday Nitro. It's like being the Dudley Boys, and everywhere you go, it's like, you know, you hear like, "Hey, where's the tables at? You gotta have tables." And it's like, "Fuck, I just want to be a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, I want to wrestle. wrestle." You know, so yeah, it's unfortunate, you know. And, and then, of course, ECW was very much that love hate company where you you either were a huge fan of it or you fucking despised it. Yeah, very true. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of guys in WCW and WWF looked at it as, as garbage wrestling. And, you know, guys like Mikey Whipwreck didn't get respect that they deserved. I mean, you can say that about everybody that was that came from ECW and, and, and both companies with the exception of maybe the Dudley Boys. Everybody else, oh, you're that garbage wrestler from, from you know, that trashy bingo hall South Philly promotion. You know, I mean, Raven got somewhat of a push in, in WCW, but even then, it was half-hearted at best. So. Yeah, but all, Ray, Raven also was seasoned 
in, in wrestling. Yeah, he yeah, was Scotty so. Flamingo for you know in the early nineties, and yeah. he actually was a wrestler. So you're right, but mm. uh, but they still took that gimmick and they they ran with it, and, and then they they fucked it up. They made him <laughs> like a spoiled rich kid, you know. <laughs> it's it's how do you fuck that up? You do, you do. <laughs> um, you, it's interesting to hear someone like Eric Bischoff talk about hardcore wrestling. Because he is very much of the opinion that it is garbage wrestling. But he hates gimmicks. He does. But he will also sit there and critique it when it comes to putting it on a card. I've heard him do it before to where he'll be like, in in the same breath, he'll be like, I hate hardcore wrestling, but it didn't work on this card because they should have put it here instead of here. Yeah. And it, that's always interesting to me because for someone who fucking hates it so much... He sure does know. He sure does have a fucking opinion about where it belongs. Right. So he's got to be paying some sort of attention. Listening to Eric Bischoff talk about um, the the pros and cons of WCW has definitely been uh, uh, eye awakening. You know, um, he hates gimmicks. He hates gimmicks, but like you said, he will he will use them. And as he should, it's part of the business. You know, it's about giving fans what they want. But doing it in, uh, doing it in, in, during the right times, right moments. I mean that that stands that that really should go with anything. So I hear what Eric Bischoff says, and I appreciate it. But it's it's also even during the times when he was booking, it was like, well, you didn't follow your own rules. He didn't, and and you think about stuff like demasking Rey Mysterio or Juventud Guerrera. Like, it, it made no sense. It never made any sense. But he somehow let that happen. You know? At least with Rey Mysterio. Like, he was, he, he takes the blame for Rey Mysterio. Yeah, but, you know, he's also not apologetic about it either. And um, he points out the fact that Rey Mysterio took that and ran with it. In, in ways that, uh, you know, because he, you know, a lot of people felt that Ray Mysterio had a problem with it. Did he have a choice? <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. That's, that's the thing that Eric Bischoff continues to uh, forget to mention, you know. You know, he, we were talking, you know, we were, I was listening to uh, him talk about um, an episode of Nitro that Vince Russo completely butchered. And, <laughs> you know, there was a Ray Mysterio match, and it was. Um, the same, the same argument. Like you know, how look at the you know look at how, what Ray is doing. Does it look like he has a problem with his mask coming off? But again, it was have a problem with it, and 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 you know deal with the repercussions, or just take the the shit ton of money that they're paying you, and just run with it. Because obviously, since if he if you put it back on, he had a problem with it. Right. So. Uh, as most uh, most mass wrestlers would, but anyways, we see Mikey Whipwreck go for the pin, gets a two count. Don't you mean Mikey Shipwreck? Mikey Shipwreck, <laughs> that's right. I I love Bobby Heenan, and uh, through the entirety of this match, he is constantly calling him Mikey Shipwreck, just to just to fuck with his name. Um, and, and also, it's it's a little bit of a, a show of disrespect um, for for ECW wrestlers. None of those guys got 
any real respect um, immediately when they came over. Like, even Taz, you know, you just mentioned Taz showing up uh, yeah. on uh, the Royal Rumble pay-per-view fighting Kurt Angle the first time. And, yeah, he won that match, but let's face it, Taz, Taz didn't get any kind of respect, at least not immediately. You know, that was something that had to be worked for. And I just, I find it ironic that these guys come from a hardcore, um, don't give a fuck environment. And for as garbage wrestling as a lot of people thought it was or carried disrespect for, it sure as hell became uh, quite the fucking uh, piece of a card, you know? Well, see, that's, that's, I think that's where a lot of people had a problem with it. You know, I mean, they they took over wrestling in ways that the other companies were, were trying to establish themselves. You know, you go back to, to 95 or even 94 when it, was, when it was just starting to become a thing and the type of matches that they were putting on, it, you, know, you weren't seeing that in WCW or WWF. And you can say what you want to say about hardcore wrestling, but... Just because you're a hardcore wrestler does not make you a shitty wrestler. It just doesn't. And I, you know, it, it's, you know, it's easy for anybody to say, "Oh, what do you know? You, you know, you're not in the business." You know, I'll take Jerry Lawler or, or you know, uh, Bobby Heaton's opinion on that. But you know what? With that, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying and everything like that. But you look at a lot of those ECW wrestlers that became big stars. They could go in the ring. They were just... It was just a tougher mentality that they had. You know, it just... It wasn't, uh, you know, I, I'm getting paid, you know, anyways. You know, a lot of these guys were getting paid very little. If they were getting paid at all. At all. You know, and... <laughs> <laughs> so, it was... Uh, there was a... One thing you can say about the guys that came from ECW is that there was a ton of heart and soul. And they loved professional wrestling. And, you know, you can call them extremely crappy wrestlers all you want, but there's a reason why it became a phenomenon. Yeah, the hardcore brutality, but there was a lot of passion involved in that, too. <laughs> a ton of passion. That, you know, that, that little engine that, that could, you know, kind of thing. And it, it just worked. It worked for so long. And, and honestly... It's unfortunate they get dubbed like things like one trick ponies and, and just extremely crappy wrestlers and it was just bullshit. <laughs> but speaking of uh, Bobby Heenan and his bad puns, his bad jokes, <laughs> like you know what would be like the dream team of, of bad puns? You put him with like uh, Jerry the King Lawler and just have him talk for like two hours of, <laughs> of nonsense and see who comes up with the shittiest jokes because they. I get they're both legendary and they're both Hall of Famers, but they absolutely just stunk <laughs> as commentators. But one thing I will see, say here, though, which, which, again, I find interesting, you have Mikey Whipwreck, who has his, you know, you know his, his weird style of wrestling, and then, Billy, you know, Billy Kidman, you know, being who he is, a high flyer, and we've seen quite a number of, of spots already in this match where it just it was too close for comfort. You yeah. can tell you can tell chemistry's not there and it just it just seems like there's a better way to ease Mikey Whipwreck into uh into into an angle here without putting him in the title match against Billy Kidman. 
Because, yeah, he almost killed Kidman, but Kidman's about to finish it off here with the shooting star the prize. shooting star. And uh, <laughs> I agree, man. Like, what a weird way to debut somebody. Like, on a pay-per-view and in a championship match. So, how, did the, how the fuck is that supposed to work in, <laughs> in any kind of favor for Mikey Whipwreck? Kidman picks up the win with the shooting star press, retaining the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. What do you think of Kidman as a Cruiserweight champ? I love Kidman. I, uh, I I started watching when he was a member of the Flock, and uh, I I dug him then. Yeah, I always I always loved the Shooting Star Press. That was the first uh, he was the first guy that I've seen personally do it. And uh, there was a spot right there in the replay where you saw him kind of skin off his head. And ever since the uh, Hiromu Takahashi incident, like anything like that, scares the shit out of me. <laughs> Even though obviously this is twenty years ago, and I know yeah. he's okay. It's still scary. Uh, but, yeah, I like Kidman. I, I really liked him a lot, and it's really unfortunate that it didn't work out in, w, in WWE. And, again, you know, that's a lot to do with how the Cruiserweights were treated, especially back then. But I know he's he's got had his issues, too. But, uh, yeah, I, I was, I'm a big fan of Kidman and, and his in-ring work. As we see Stevie Ray here <laughs> talking in uh, black and white. And there's Vincent. And we are now uh, getting prepared for the second match of the night. Where uh, it is Stevie Ray in uh, as part of the NWO Black and White. Facing Vincent in a Harlem street fight. And they're showing a video package of where Hollywood Hogan is basically getting in the ear of both of them. Separately, mind you. Telling them that uh, they're, they're both running things. <laughs> And uh, they that basically they need to take control of the black and white NWO, so uh, he's he's purposely starting shit, <laughs> and uh, so now they're going to fight for control of the black and white Express here in a Harlem street fight. The basically the B B squad. Yeah, it has become the B squad at this point. Yes. What? Do, all right. So <laughs> you were. You were older, you are older. So thanks. That never, that never will change. I'm sorry. I'll never catch up to you. <laughs> One word, Matt. Cryogenic. <laughs> but um, you have uh, the NWO. You know, 1996. We don't need to go into detail and, and the the significance of the NWO. But 1999 is here. And you have NWO Black and White. You have NWO Wolfpack. NWO Black and White is you know now dubbed the B Team or whatever. What is your take at that point in time on seeing NWO Black and White as nothing more than a B squad that might be led by Vincent? <laughs> as you're watching this live, yeah. As I'm watching this live, I. Um... I quite honestly, I I could really give two shits. Um, they they took a really hot angle, a really hot story, and it, it's pretty much for me. It's pretty much dead in the water almost at this point. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm always going to be an NWO fan, but there there had been multiple times where they should have just trimmed the fat so many times and got rid of guys 
And they didn't. Instead, they were just adding more people on the roster. And this guy in particular... Um, this guy is such a fool. Oh, boy. Vincent. Vincent uh, <laughs> Give me $10. I'll take a picture with you. Yeah, a.k.a. Virgil <coughs> from the WWF. There's that fake kid. That's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> he, does, he does look like a doll. Vincent comes in the ring. He's he looks like he's supposedly ready for a fucking street fight. I don't, I don't know that he is. I don't think he's ever ready for any kind of a fight, to be honest with you. And I I say that from personal experience because I've ran into him at numerous uh, pop culture conventions, and he is never ready for any kind of conflict with fans. Never. <laughs> uh, I remember seeing him in Chicago at a convention. And literally right next to his booth was Mick Foley. Mick Foley's line for fans was so long that it kind of snaked around back around itself at least twice. And here he is. No one is in. Zero (laughs) people are in his line. There's not even a line attendant near him. (laughs) Because at this point they're all helping Foley's line out. And uh, at one point... Foley, he he's trying to kind of include Vincent, right, uh, or Virgil, whatever you want to call him, in in the uh, the fandom. And he he says something to the effect of, "Hey, do you want to come sign a few for me?" And they have a a hearty laugh about it. And then you had fans kind of like, "Hey, man, come on, come on over to to Vincent," and he literally he was. He no-sold it the whole time. He was pissed. And it got to the point where he was like, hey, give me 10 like, forcefully, give me $10. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'll let you take a picture with me. And, you know, you had people like, uh, no. And then you had people like, fuck you, dude. And they'd be like, no, fuck you, give me money. Like, straight <laughs> out. And it, it got really belligerent really quick. <laughs> give me $10. Please. <laughs> I gotta pay for my parking. Yeah. And if you if you ever I don't know if he still does convention appearances or not, but I know when I ran into him a few times, <laughs> he all of his all the stuff that he had for you to sign, they were all eight by ten photos, and they were all pictures of him. But it wasn't just pictures of him by himself; it was always him and Ted DiBiase. <laughs> it was always him and Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah, it was always him and the NWO PT Cruiser. No bullshit. Him and the Macho Man as as the madness. Him and either Scott Hall and or Kevin Nash. So it was never him by himself. So he could never sell anything by himself. Jesus. Yeah. That's it's embarrassing, man. Like... It is, and you pay. I mean, it. I'm sure it's different for different venues in different cities, but downtown Chicago, you're talking like anywhere from three hundred and fifty dollars to five hundred dollars for a fucking booth. For a weekend, I mean, that might be chump change to some people, but I oh. can't imagine losing that kind of money <laughs> and, and then to be ridiculed on top of it. Yeah, I'm sure Mick like donated to to him. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm Mick Foley. I can just do this again. <laughs> <laughs> You're unfortunately Vincent, <laughs> or or as Stevie Ray calls him in the video package before this. Tencent Vincent. I love that. 
Give me ten cents. I'll, I'll sign something for you. Um, looking back at this match now, I know you know. Obviously, we're seeing both of the guys. They're out in the crowd. And they're brawling. I'm going to use air quotes here. Brawling. Right. Because you do have ECW guys on this card. Right. So, hardcore wrestling is obviously a thing. Right. And it is present. So, this match, it's supposed to be a Harlem street fight. I'm sorry. None, nothing that they're doing right now necessarily constitutes a street fight for me. I think there's so much lost potential, uh, potential lost in this match. Where it could have gone way more physical, or at least the appearance of being way more physical. Yeah. Because you're trying to vie for something... That is important to you. Control <laughs> of the black and white NWO. None of that comes across for me in this match. It's just two guys who can't really give two shits about one another. And they're barely duking it out. What do you take... What's your take on, on where they're fighting at right now? Where there's... Uh, it's blocked off. This is usually done because you didn't sell the seats. Yeah. Hey, if, you're, uh, if you're running production, I mean, are you okay with them showing off... All those empty seats that weren't sold? No. Again, another... <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah, another bad decision by <laughs> WCW. And I'm sure, uh, you know, they, they only had so much control over what went on. It's basically like, hey, you guys need to make this a street fight. Go fight in the quote-unquote street. But, yeah, don't show off the fucking seats you guys didn't sell. Like, dude, how that's adding insult to injury. And they didn't even do anything with it. Like, you know, no, you, again, no, nothing you, worthwhile anyway. Yeah. Like, you know, slam somebody on a chair or something, you know, anything. <laughs> I think Vincent fell down of his own accord onto the, he did. To the folded chairs, and that was about it. And if you could tell, we're like two minutes, two and a half minutes, three minutes in, <laughs> and his mouth is already wide open. He's already gassed. Oh, he's gassed, yeah. <laughs> he's so gassed. All I want is ten dollars. <laughs> Give me my ten dollars. <laughs> I'll do anything but that. <laughs> for those uh for those listening at home, I have uh I have a Virgil fake one million dollar bill that's signed by him, so I I got something signed by him. Holy sh- and you didn't even get to you didn't even have to be I, in his presence. I didn't even have to get him yeah. I got a I got a COA and everything. I never had to be. Oh, man. Suck on that, Chicago. I remember the, it was the first time, no, the second time I ran into him. I was at a a Wizard World in Chicago, (laughs) and I was with my godbrother, and my godbrother was like, hey, can I take a picture with you or of you? And he's like, no, man, give me, you know. <laughs> he He's like, hey, well, let's do it for like 25 bucks. And my godbrother's like, I am not paying you $25 for me to take a picture with my own camera <laughs> with you. And so what he did was he walked about 10 feet away from him, and he took a photo of him. And he's like, thanks. And he got so pissed. He was motherfucking us up uh, left and right, man. It was It was funny. But also, like he was, he was legit fuming at us. <laughs> <laughs> you see, this is why you have to do the Linda Blair approach. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I knew I was gonna get a sour, sour <laughs> note there. Do the Linda Blair approach and and uh, advertise for like something that people can get on board with. Yeah, nobody's there to meet you anymore, Linda Blair. 
<laughs> you bitch. <laughs> like do it, do it, do it for the do it for the dogs. Like, all right, I'll donate for the main site or whatever the hell she was promoting. That yeah, night. she had like her own. I think it was her own uh, animal-based okay. charity. Okay. So you know, I, I can I can get behind that cause. I, I love animals, so let's let's go ahead and do this. But yeah, I'm not I'm not giving you fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even meet her. I just I knew that uh, you and and others didn't have a a good experience. Mm-hmm. And then, and then from the actual Q and A session. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, Stevie Ray picks up the victory. He picks up the victory with a blackjack, and uh, that was courtesy of uh, Horace Hogan, who came to ringside and threw the blackjack or slid the blackjack in the ring, and proclaims to the to the camera, "I don't care who uses it, I want to be the leader of the NWO," and then walks off. So uh, that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's WCW uncensored, and it's it's uh, Horace Hogan. Yeah. Hey brother, put my nephew in there. Yeah, talk the about fucking trim the fat. He, there was one guy that definitely needed to go. He could be in one of those, one of my famous loser leaves town match. All they have to do is participate. <laughs> the moment the bell rings, you lose. Get the fuck out of here. Don't come back. Um, Him and Double J. <laughs> Stevie Ray takes over control of the black and white NWO for whatever it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, and. Um, uh, we now see Chris Jericho and Mark Madden talking on headset headsets for WCW.com uh, internet interview. Uh, what do you think of Mark Madden? He's uh, it's interesting commentary. I I don't know too much about the man behind the uh, behind the scenes, but I'm not a huge fan of his on commentary. Neither am I. He comes off as really fucking obnoxious and in a bad way. Yeah, I, I get a lot of times he was he was trying to be the heel commentator, but it, he's he's like he's like nineties Corey Graves. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I can see that. Like he's just trying too hard. He is. He's he is trying, trying too hard. hard. Like for example, the uh, his issues with Hogan. Yes. It's just like, oh my god, alright, you get it, you don't like him, like, enough. <laughs> like, I hate Hogan, and I'm even rooting for Hogan when, you know, when Mark <laughs> Madden's on commentary, because it's like, alright, like, it's not that fucking serious. But, uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Not a huge fan, and, and, and unfortunately, like, after, like, Shivani, or I should say Tanae and, and Heenan left, you know, he, uh, he was kind of the guy. Yeah. Along with Scott Hudson, who I have a different opinion on. Exactly. I, I, I actually enjoyed his commentary. But uh, we got NWO Wolfpack coming out. I, you know, even even during this time, I always hated the uh, the hand gestures that Kevin Ash would throw up. Because it seemed so, like, wannabe-ish. Yeah. It, it wasn't... It, he wasn't doing the too sweet. He had, like, the like a play off of the, the West Side. West Side. Yeah. And, yeah. It just it just took me as like a guy that was like, hey, this looks cool. I'm gonna do this. <laughs> it's like, no thanks. But uh, he's coming out for a one on one match against Rey Mysterio Jr. And he's seconded by uh, Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth, and Lex Luger, who are part of the Wolfpack. At Miss, this point, Miss Elizabeth, uh, 
80s or 90s for you? Yeah, you know what? She doesn't look bad here. She, she, to me, she's always, she's always had uh, like a, a standard. Uh, like her look always had a standard. Right. She, she was probably the most consistent looking, um, as far as appearance goes, throughout the entirety of her career, as uh, you know, in the wrestling industry, where you get other, other valets and, and what have you who just eventually would take nose dives, yeah. both, both professionally and personally, to the point where you're like, Jesus, like what a fucking train wreck. But um, for me, 80s Liz. 80s Liz? Yeah. Were you surprised when she died? I First of all, I was surprised, and I was surprised at how. Yeah. like I think it took a lot of people by shock. Yeah. So when, when I found out about it, it took me by shock, but... I was also not in the dirt sheets and stuff like that, so I didn't know if this was like a, a thing that people knew that she, you know, she was addicted to that, to to you know, to everything. It yeah, it was it was really a heartbreaking story, and uh, well, I I was in the dirt sheets. Yeah, and it was a shock to everybody. Like no one knew about her her substance abuse. I, real quick, I just want to point out the fact that uh, people don't know how to spell Ray Mysterio. It's it's yeah I know it's it, the fucking uh, Roman Reigns thing all over again. Yeah, it, R R E Y R E Y. Yeah, not R A Y. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, anyways, but yeah, going back to uh, <laughs> or Roy Roy Mysterio, I've seen that before too. Roy Mysterio. Yeah. <laughs> uh man. Um, going back to Ray Mysterio with uh, no mask. I mean, I know he wasn't gonna he was coming out with no mask. He lost that at Super Brawl, nineteen ninety nine, which you can hear all about that in episode fifty two. My partner here takes you takes you back to Super Brawl nineteen ninety nine. He's got such a baby face. Yeah, it does. He he totally does. Um, but uh, Miss Elizabeth, man, yeah, that was that was that was uh, it was a, it was a terrible situation and. Uh, were you at all surprised that she stuck around in pro wrestling for as long as she did? Yes, I was definitely surprised. I I always thought of her as just going on to do something different, you know. Especially just hearing throughout uh, her time being married to Randy Savage, right? And you know, after they got divorced, you just. I, I never pegged her as being the kind of person that would just stick around to some shit she didn't really feel she didn't seem like she wanted to be a part of anyway right but she did and that's why it was so surprising to me um, and then again like I said finding out she she had overdosed on heroin and she did it in Lex Luger's house because she was with Lex Luger at the time all of that was just so fucking shocking. Like, obviously, they're here at ringside together, but that was in in the dirt sheets. That was really never mentioned that I could remember. The amount of drugs that was in his house. Well, yeah, he's. I mean, he's on steroids for fucking decades at this point. Right. So, I mean, that part, as far as drugs in Luger's house, I wasn't surprised about that. But I, I think I was just about the amount of recreational shit. Like, I mean, not that he was doing recreational drugs, but just 
it was just the amounts that they had on him. Yeah, insane. Yeah. I don't even remember. Did he? Did he get jail time for it, or was it was it no. ruled not his fault? It was ruled not his fault. Yes, he OD'd, and yeah, man, it was. I mean, don't get me wrong. He got he got his eventually. I mean, he looks like shit. He now. does look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It's such, such a such a tragic story. But um, going back to the match here, Rey Mysterio, no mask. How many? I can't think off the top of my head of wrestlers that took their mask off, and it's like, nah, fuck it, I'll put it back on. You know what? There there haven't haven't been many. There haven't been many at all. He's one of the few, and quite honestly, he's one of the few that has had continued success after the fact. Um, it's a big deal. It for is. Those who don't know, it's a really big deal to lose that mask. It is. It is uh, the ultimate embarrassment to a luchador or luchadora, and um, it's it's something sacred. What I hate about WCW doing on masks, and we saw that not only with Kevin Nash, but we saw it with Chris Jericho. Unmasking an opponent, you know, usually it's you know a, a, a lucha de puestas match is one of the, it, it's like the equivalent of a of a cage match we talked about. It's like it's the final battle. It should be, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. the final battle. We one once one 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 for once for all. I'm gonna take your mask or your hair or whatever. And if you if, when you win, and the mask comes off. You know the 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 wrestler unmasks himself or herself, and then what usually is done is that they hand that mask to their opponent, and that opponent is supposed to accept it with, you know, graciously, because it's like even though we had we had our our, our differences, even though we had this nasty rivalry, there's still respect. There's still respect, and. When Rey Mysterio unmasked, when Juventud Guerrero unmasked, it was they were just made into a joke. Yeah, and it wasn't com- taken seriously a at all. Complete joke. I, I want to say one of the only unmaskings that I got to watch that actually went down with complete respect was uh, Hayabusa in Japan. I don't remember who he was wrestling, but he lost his mask and he was in tears. After the match, yeah, and he was in tears when he had to hand it over, and and again his mask was was completely respected, and, and it was you know it wasn't just the the winnings of the match, it it was it was still something sacred after the match was long over, right? Uh, by and, and and it was held that way by both participants, and that's you're right that's something. You rarely get to see these days, and especially here in WCW. Right. Uh, I remember uh, Psycho Clown versus uh, Dr. Wagner Jr. from Triple Mania 2017, mm-hmm. and what that was like. And you know, now he's he's Ray Wagner, uh, he, although he still wrestles under the name of Dr. Wagner Jr. Sometimes, but uh, you know, when he took that mask off. Yeah, he was disappointed, but he was also. It also felt like that relief that, like, I can just be myself now. Cause you got to remember too, he's also an older wrestler. Yeah. But it was his family. It was his son that was in tears, bawling his eyes out, and then he got visibly angry, 
a, a psycho clown, a, a psycho clown when he had the mask. Because it was like, you know, you better take care of that thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, like, it went from, like, you know, he went from tears to, to anger. It was, uh, it's always an intriguing thing. It is such a, it's such a, a big step to, to make. And I just don't feel like WCW took it seriously. They, you know, just like uh, a lot of other, uh, other areas of, of the company, it was their, for lack of a better term, elite guys or elite core, and then that was it. Everybody else was just their, their little pawns, and uh, it was unfortunate. It's unfortunate that they treated Rey Mysterio's unmasking as as poorly as it did, and uh, you know he was never the same guy. No, he wasn't. Rey Mysterio unmasked, I hated him. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was just not. Rey Mysterio. Yeah, it just it wasn't wasn't good at all. Uh, Kevin Nash knocks off Rey Mysterio Jr. with a jackknife powerbomb, but not uh, not to be uh, uh, upstaged by Lex Luger, who of course had to throw in his two cents <laughs> and uh, caused Rey Mysterio the match, the distraction. Uh, again, Kevin Nash wins via the jackknife powerbomb, as you see now. See a, a bit with Raven. Uh, I forget what's going on with Raven. Oh, okay. Oh, I remember now. This is, um, what's his name, Hack? Yeah, this is actually uh, Sandman from ECW, but right. they're calling him Hack. So it, uh, later on in the card, it's going to be um, Hack, Raven, and Bam Bam Bigelow in a three-way hardcore match. Yeah, just all the ECW guys in there. Yeah. Hack. Yeah, what a fucking name. I mean, that's that's what he was in the ring. He was a fucking <laughs> hack. <laughs> he was the coolest thing I remember growing up. The Sandman, like one of them. But he just... He, he stunk. He was a terrible wrestler. Uh, I almost got punched by him once. Oh, at, no, at show. Uh Well, we were all... There was like, uh, I think like eight of us who went to an ECW pay-per-view. Okay. I don't remember which one, but they're fighting... Um, they're fighting in the uh, in the crowd. I forget who he was fighting with, but <laughs> I happened to be towards the end of the row, and the guys behind me were trying to get a better look at him. I got pushed into him, and he cocked back and essentially was about to hit me <laughs> <laughs> for for kind of pushing him around. Uh, don't get me wrong, folks. I'm I'm a tough cookie. I would have took the punch if I absolutely had to, but uh, was not looking forward to that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm glad that was avoided. That w- <laughs> that would have been really interesting because I wouldn't have backed down. I would have took the punch and then I would have given it right back to him, and I probably would have got kicked out. So you're that or signed. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the two. <laughs> Our next match in WCWN Center 1999 here is. Jerry Flynn, not to be confused with Jerry Lynn, two different people, folks. Jerry Flynn taking on Ernest the Cat Miller and Sonny Ono in a handicapped match. Um, what is there to say about Jerry Flynn that most people don't know? He's a he's a legitimate mixed martial artist. Um, he has a pedigree behind him. Um, he came in right around the same time as guys like Tank Abbott, um, give or take a few months. 
here with WCW. And uh, this whole feud with Ernest the Cat Miller and Sonny Ono, uh, I gotta say, this does jack shit for me. <laughs> um, Sonny Ono as, as a manager, I've, I've always found somewhat interesting, but uh, Ernest the Cat Miller, I man, he just never worked for me. Never. I could never get into him. Whether he was coming in as a martial artist or a James Brown knockoff. Like, none of it. None of it worked for me. <laughs> as Jerry Flynn came to the ring, he looked absolutely fucking thrilled to be there. <laughs> <laughs> like, just fucking stone, stone-faced stone expression. Like, do I have to fucking be here? I mean, he's got to be just be collecting the paycheck. Jerry Flynn never got... Uh... Any attention. I remember he, during Goldberg's uh, streak, he probably lost to Goldberg the most. Yeah. He, he jobbed a lot to Goldberg. And it's a shame because he's a legitimate MMA guy. You know, you would think they would they would have utilized that a little bit better than, hey, go job for Goldberg again. <laughs> or, hey, uh, you know, go fight Ernest the Cat Miller with his fucking poncho and leopard skin hat on. Like, what the fuck? I was never much of a fan of uh, Ernest Miller. I never really got it. You know, I get he's got martial arts background, but... I don't know if you remember this, but when he first got introduced on on television for WCW, one of the things they would always push was that he was the personal martial arts trainer for Usher. Okay. And it's like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> Usher? I didn't realize Usher... Uh... Yeah, you know, took took, took martial arts took lessons. Martial arts, right? Yeah, I know he like made shitty music. But... <laughs> oh, you know it's true, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, again, we're watching this on the WWE Network. So when Ernest Miller comes out, his music is overdubbed with a very shitty. WWE knockoff of some like James Brown esque funk, and uh, that is that is one of the drawbacks here of watching these old pay per views. Yeah, at some points because you're like, what the fuck are they playing? Uh, and here, this is one of those times where he comes out and you're like, good God, just shut it off. <laughs> if you go real quick here, if you go back to uh, some of the old Starcades. Where they introduced uh, music, like it, it's everybody comes out to the same, <laughs> the same, same music. music. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, you know what it sounds like. It it, it sounds like, um, <laughs> like the default create a character music that would go on in the background yeah. for some of the for some of the games that uh, came out like on N sixty four. Yeah, and just over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, it was just like. Why, just, why not just make it quiet? Like, you know? Right? Like, like the, uh, New Jack. New Jack is one of them. So what... Well, when, that got changed, though. New Jack is back to his original. No, it's not. Not anymore? No. It's, so they changed it again. Uh, we're, I was watching ECW Living Dangerously in 1999. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be a, a bonus episode sometime down the road. Say what? <laughs> and it's, it's that overdubbed version of of what it, it originally was and it's just some guy it's like he's got like 
I don't know, maybe 16 bars of, of rap in them at best. And it's just played over and over and over again the entire time he's out there. And you're like, God damn, shut it off. You don't need it anymore. You know, you clearly have Joey Styles doing his job. Like, that's enough. Like, if you couldn't, uh, if you couldn't put in their music, I would just not have music. I would just, you know, they have, they have the, the, the talent to where they could just take out the music and then you just have the commentary. Yeah. Like if you can, I would, you know, I take that over generic music any day, um, or like Jericho and WCW, where he comes out to his <laughs> theme song that he would that would debut when he debuted for WWE. Yeah, all so, the fucking time. Yeah, all the time, and I get it. Like, I, if I'm not mistaken, that was a Pearl Jam song he came out to. Uh, it it was like a it was a WCW rendition of a Pearl Pro, Jam song. Yeah, or like with DDP, yeah, where it was and, it was like a, a a WCW version of Nirvana's uh, Nevermind or what have you. Right, uh, it smells like Teen Spirit. Sorry. Yeah. Um. <laughs> for me, at at this point in time, you you essentially Ernest the Cat Miller has now replaced. Johnny B. Bad for WCW. And Johnny B. Bad obviously went on to be Mark Merrow in the WWF around this time. And quite honestly, that whole th- this whole situation with these two guys working for these companies, both companies lost. Let me yeah. tell you. Uh, for those who don't know, Johnny B. Bad was a, a play off of Little Richard. And and that was Mark Merrill's gimmick in WCW, and it went went it would it went well with the crowd. He was over with the crowd, and when he got signed to the WWF, he got signed under the the principle that he was going to keep that gimmick, uh, more or less. He would just be called something else because you can't use Johnny B. Bad. So when he debuts for. WWF TV, he has decided to stray away from the gimmick, and somehow it got past Vince McMahon, and he became the Wild Man, the Wild Man, Mark Merrill, which I was a fan of. Yeah, I thought it worked, but then <laughs> he didn't, and so he, he wasn't the Wild Man for very long. And I, I want to say he got hurt. Yeah, that's what happened. He got hurt, and then when he came back. He was no longer the wild man. He just became Mark Merrill and he had this very, like, boxer-type gimmick. And it was just like... Like, uh, in a... Uh, a slow, degradating fall from grace for Mark Merrill. He went from, like, a really awesome gimmick gimmick to... What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> kind of a gimmick, you know? <laughs> but he had Sable. And that's all really Vince ended up caring about, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, it was Sable in the 90s. So. You know, it's hard to compete. But, uh, but yeah, this, uh, the rest of watching this match is really, it's really not, uh, not doing a whole lot. And, no, uh, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry Flynn, beyond WCW, uh, refresh my memory, did he ever become anything? Uh, I know he went back to mixed martial arts. I don't know what uh, what company he went back to, or, or you know, or went to after this. Yeah, 
I want to say he probably did some a small amount of time in UFC. I could be wrong about that. Okay. But um, other than that, I have no idea. No idea whatsoever. And again, I think it's a shame because out of these two, he's the legitimate guy. <laughs> like, he's a legitimate badass. And they just, they're like, here, you're going to. You're going to job Sonny Ono. <laughs> and James Brown, Johnny B. Bad Wannabe. Oh, good Lord. You can look at the crowd. You can tell the crowd. The crowd is not into this either. They're actually like talking amongst each other and shit. Oh, that's good. No, I thought that was going to be it. Yeah, that was it. Oh, that was yeah, it. Yeah, All Jerry right. Flynn pins Sonny Ono here to to win the match. Maybe you guys will enjoy it. Uh, you can always, again, get a subscription through us, 20x20crew.com slash podcast. Slash WWE Network, maybe uh, maybe it's just us, but this this match was uh, was a dud. Uh, <laughs> Jerry Flynn, I guess he's a legit badass, but he's very basic too. I think that's his he, problem. Yeah, too. he is very basic. So uh, we're now seeing steak. That's what we're seeing. Nice juicy piece of steak here. Yeah, old school NWA style tag team match. Uh, this is the. This is a, a video package for the To Be Determined tag team titles here later on in the pay-per-view with Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit representing the Four Horsemen. They're going to be taking on Barry Windham and Kurt Hennig for those vacant WCW tag team titles. What do you think of those belts? Uh, they're, they're very plain. I'm not... I don't know. I think that that like the top of the design where it kind of like pokes up. Uh-huh. I'm not really a big fan of it, and it kind of looks fake. Yeah, it looks like a, like a toy. Like a toy. <laughs> like I had a. Uh, I used to have like a WWF championship plastic toy. Mm-hmm. Like the tape, the the it got old, and like the glue started popping up. That's what it kind of looks like. Like the glue's <laughs> popping up on it. Uh, we are on to the fifth match of the night. Uh, this is our. Obligatory ECW guy match. <laughs> it is Bam Bam Bigelow versus Hardcore Hack versus Raven in a false count anywhere hardcore match. Uh, Raven comes out with chastity, and I think uh, I think the storyline here is that that's her brother. If I'm okay. not mistaken, one of them is her brother. Good to see Bam Bam. I'm always a Bam Bam fan. Uh, again, I, I'm I'm still rooting for him to be inducted Hall of Fame this year. As we see, Hardcore Hack, aka the Sandman, come out. They, AKA they even punch you in the face. <laughs> they, even, they even spell his name H A K, which is they funny. even hacked his name. Yeah, they hacked his name. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out uh, literally wearing barbed wire, or as. As Bobby Heenan keeps calling it Bob Wire, the entire entirety of the pay per view is Bob Wire. Like he's talking about a guy. Um. <laughs> oh, here's another one too that uh, uses generic. Oh yeah, Ravens. Yeah. Oh, actually, they uses WWE theme song. Yeah, because he used to come out to. What was it? I know the song. In ECW, he used to come out to. Something. <laughs> yeah, we're good at this. And then WCW kind of used like their rendition of it 
and then even for whatever reason even that got switched on the network at least to that generic Raven music yeah prescribed by the WWE not sure can't find anything on it but uh yeah something very grungy yeah again Raven's one of those characters that's to me, it's really hard to screw up, you know, as far as keeping them, keeping them current, and they they found a way to screw that up. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make you rich, pal. Yeah, Vince called. <laughs> we're gonna make you a spoiled brat, pal. All right, you can completely ruin everything that was good about Raven. I'm a huge Raven fan. I I, I was uh, I was glad to. Uh, to see him go back to ECW shortly after this, and um, of course, also I enjoyed somewhat of his time in WWE, and, and you know, and more importantly, TNA when he won the World Heavyweight Title. So yeah, as he fucked that up with that garbage <laughs> can. There's a box fan in there, all kinds of shit. So how much do you find yourself watching hardcore wrestling? Not, you know what? Not much. To me, to me, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I, I like hardcore wrestling. Um, obviously, I went to like every, just about every ECW show that came around Chicago back in the day. So um, I'm definitely a fan. But these days, you know, I think it. I think just like with everything else, it's it's good in moderation. I don't, yeah. I don't need to see an entire pay-per-view of hardcore matches. Um, and well, it takes I, the purpose away. Yeah, well, and then again, too, you got to remember, like, I think I think the reason I like or I don't mind this match is because of who's in the ring. And that, that makes a big difference. You could have these three guys who are obviously all seasoned veterans and, and seasoned uh, hardcore wrestlers, and they're all working with each other, you could get, you know, like, what if that Jerry Flynn match was a hardcore match against Ernest the Cat Miller? You want to talk about really stink up the joint? Like, (laughs) I think it speaks volumes when you have a hardcore match where you get to use weapons and shit, and you still have a bad match. Like, there's something to be said about that kind of performance. I just love how Raven just no sold the uh, ironing board. <laughs> he got hit in, the, hit in the back, and he's like, "Nah, fuck that. They didn't. They didn't touch me." We got some ores in there, a bunch of baking sheets. I just never understood like having weapons that made no sense. Yeah, there's a fucking mailbox in there, a <laughs> snow shovel. Yeah, it's just like, all right, you a know. mop. Let's just get silly with it. <laughs> but, uh... I see a little blow there. This is one of those matches where, like, I always I always want to look at the referee, too. I'm like, you know what? Could you just leave him the fuck alone? Yeah. The falls count anywhere. They clearly have all kinds of weapons in the ring. Why are you trying to tell Raven not to low blow Bam Bam Bigelow? Hey, that... that... That's illegal. No, it's not. <laughs> we we see that from time to time, and it's like, how the, the referee is supposed to know with everything that's going on. 
You know, they're supposed to know the, they know the finishes, they know all that shit. They're supposed to. And they don't even know like what they're supposed to do. Like the other wrestlers like, "Hey, wait, you can't do that." Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. There was there's been a couple of instances even recently. Uh, I don't want them particularly with Chris Jericho. Where he's beating the shit out of, I think it was Naito. And he yells at the referee, like, it's no DQ. Yeah, like, it's no DQ. Like, why are you in the way? <laughs> why are you counting? There's no counting. <laughs> but uh, I think right now this would be a, a great time to uh, let you guys enjoy this. And uh, we're going to go pay some bills. And uh, when we start up, we will let you know exactly where to uh, follow along again. So uh, hang back. Watch this uh, Watch this hardcore match between Raven, Hardcore Hack, and Bam Bam Bigelow, and we will be right back. This episode of the 20 by 20 crew is sponsored by Amazon Prime. Sign up for a free 30-day trial, and you get instant access to thousands of movies and television episodes. You get to borrow Kindle eBooks. You also get unlimited free two-day shipping with no minimum order size. You don't have to purchase. You can cancel anytime and still show the 20 by 20 crew some love. You can sign up for Amazon Prime through the 20 by 20 crew by visiting our website at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash Amazon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the support. And now let's get back to the show. Thanks for hanging in there with us, folks, as we do this bonus episode showcasing WCW's Uncensored 1999. It's the 20th anniversary of this pay-per-view, again emanating from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, we have let you guys enjoy that hardcore match, and we have uh, kind of fast-forwarded here a little bit. Uh, we are now at the 1 hour, 20 minute, and 3 second mark for those of you who are following along with us. And we're going to hit play in 3, 2, 1. And uh, we're about to start the... Well, yeah, actually, if I jump in here... And do, sure, sure. Um, for those who have the... Um... <clears throat> Uh, Fire Stick or the uh, PlayStation, they have the you know those those little dots, those little balls there. Uh, it's the start of the tag team lumberjack match. So if you start from there at the countdown, you you, you were all on the same page. Uh, unfortunately for like Roku uh, members, listeners, we have Roku or for Xbox, you don't have that. So but so you just go on to the exact time frame which we started, but. Uh, uh, this is a tag team lumberjack match. It is for the WCW World Tag Team Championship. It involves Barry Windham and Kurt Henning defending those titles against Chris Benoit and Dane Malenko, uh, two members of the Four Horsemen. And uh, do we have lumberjacks? Do we know lumberjacks? Yeah. Um, the lumberjacks are Norman Smiley, Hugh Morris. Kenny Chaos, Arn Anderson, Kendall Wyndham, Bobby Duncan Jr., and Prince Iakea. Um, I'm filler guys there. <laughs> well, and and uh, <laughs> 
in Haku. Haku is also out there. The the legitimate badass that he is. <laughs> they all have leather straps, which is not necessarily typical for a lumberjack match. Um, but that was the part of the stipulation here. So not only are you being ushered back into the ring, if you are out of the ring, you're also probably getting your ass whipped by multiple guys with leather straps. But that's what this, this feud has come to over these tag team titles. Uh, I, for one, really enjoy these four guys working together, regardless of whether there's titles titles on the line or not. Uh, again, with Matt's favorite belts here. Yeah. <laughs> it's so flimsy. The glue's coming off. <laughs> we have uh, Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham coming out. Again, they are the defending champs in this match. Now this was was this the time where they were doing the uh, like the country music? No, okay, uh, not quite. that wasn't quite yet. I know what you're talking about. The whole uh, crap is rap. And, okay. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kurt Henning. Yeah, you gotta love those silly fucking gimmicks. Was it Barry, was it with Barry Windham or was it with somebody else? No, it was it was like him, Barry Windham, and then there was like two or was three it other Bobby guys. Duncan Jr. in there. It might have been, yeah. But yeah, no, that was that was not quite yet. So you call this one the the steak? This is the beef. To me, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is this is what I grew up on, man. This is what you paid. This is what you pay your money to see. This match right here. This match right here, absolutely. Yeah, you know what? This is. Um, this is right here. This is the wrestling match. I get this. There's still a gimmick. There's still the the, the guys on the outside with the uh, with the straps and 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 their lumberjacks and everything like that. But this is uh, this is gonna be a wrestling match, ladies and gentlemen. So this is gonna be fun. Uh, who's the guy? Who, all right, who's that kid over there? Buff is my hero. He's grounded. <laughs> He's grounded. It's He's not grounded. the fake kid, is it? No, the fake kid's like <laughs> in the front row. Where's he at? Maybe he went. Uh... It's oh right. no, he's 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 sitting down oh, in okay. his, his dad's lap or whatever. All right, you mean his owner's lap? Oh, his owner's he's fake. He's a doll. <laughs> he's, a, he's a doll. He looks. He legitimately looks like a doll, like a fucking good guy doll. But also, he's holding. He was holding a like a stuffed animal. Yeah, which makes it even creepier. It's like the equivalent of Russian nesting dolls. I can't escape creepy things lately. I don't know what it is, but. <laughs> It's got to stay off the internet. It's just tons of creepy things. Speaking of creepy things, Hugh Morris's haircut. If you pay attention, Hugh it, Morris in general. Yeah, he's got a like a very close buzz cut, and then the back of his neck, like where most people have that little, um, you know, roll or what have you. Yeah, the beefier guys do anyway. He has it shaved straight across, like it's completely missing. Everything else is still there. <laughs> It was weird. Arn Anderson wasn't originally part of this match. Um, he has come out after the match has started, and he's going to ask Bobby Duncan Jr., like, hey, how about... Oh, no, I take that back. That's Chris Adams. That gentleman Chris Adams. Yeah, he takes Chris Adams' spot outside, so I, I completely forgot about Chris Adams being out there. Did he have to remove somebody? 
Like, was there... I mean, it's a lumberjack match. Just to stand outside. Um... I, I don't I don't know I, I know it, it has to do with the storyline because Kendall Wyndham is on the outside and Arn Anderson comes out to kind of even up the odds for the Horsemen at least in the way of lumberjacks go because as the match goes on you will see Kendall Wyndham try to shield his brother and Kurt Hennig from getting beat down which is pretty fucking brave considering you have you know. Ten grown ass men with leather straps, and, yeah. and, and none of them are necessarily uh, weak, you know. No one was smiling for no reason. Just wagged Kurt Henning while he was in the ring with a strap, <laughs> and, and like the way it hit Henning, it was like a legit hurt. Like he's like walking it off for a second. Like, there was no reason for him to do that. <laughs> there's, there's... There's, there's never a reason for Norman Smiley to do anything, at least in WCW. <laughs> he was one of those guys that uh, I got to see briefly in all Japan through through tapes, and I really enjoyed him in all Japan. And then having him come here, and you watch him be just the fucking joke that he is. It was it was heartbreaking, dude, just to see someone so watered down. That's just like the the thing when it comes to international talent. Remember, it just doesn't work a lot of no, times. And he can wrestle. He yeah. can wrestle. Remember like, when Matt Bloom came back to WWE? Yeah. And uh, within like six months, he was uh, he was dancing again. You know, he was a ten side. The uh, what was his nickname? I don't remember his nickname. There were oh, there were tons of funk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He went from like main eventing like the January fourth shows to or at least being a top, t- you know, what was he, Giant Bernard? Yeah, Giant Bernard. And <laughs> tons of funk. You're gonna be dancing. You're gonna what do. Uh, you're gonna pretend like you have a shovel and what dance. Should I say what the funk? Yeah, what the funk? <laughs> the ah funk it. <laughs> but yeah, when it comes to international guys, you know, we see that right now. Shinsuke Nakamura. Told you uh, that SmackDown match he had with uh, he was tagging with Rusev. He yeah. came out in his red jumpsuit. He looked like it was like reminiscent of what Kane would wear. That's gotta be Japanese Kane. <laughs> he did. He looked like he looked like Japanese Kane. Hellfire and stir fry. <laughs> he might even be one of them teriyaki boys. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, that's a real thing, guys. <laughs> Ter- teriyaki boys. <laughs> uh, Jim Ross, yeah. Yeah, old fart. It goes Bill After at ringside. Covering for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Who else we got in here? We got, we said Prince Ikea, right? Yeah, Prince Ikea, he's down there. Yeah, I see him now. What do you think of Prince Ikea? You know what? He's one of those guys, very consistent with his gimmick and his in-ring work, until they changed his gimmick. To the artist? To the artist, and then it was like, what is going on? The artist formerly known as Prince Ikea. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And he was with... um, well, I don't remember her name at the time, but wasn't that Charmel? Uh, I think so. Who would, yeah. who would go on to be Booker T's wife? Right. Yeah. yeah. 
the scar on Ming's shoulder. You see yeah. that? Yeah. Earlier too with uh, Stevie Ray. Yeah. On both of his shoulders, he had mean fucking scars. Just from being on his back all the time, getting oh! pinned. <laughs> As we see Chris Benoit and Kurt Henning uh, basically chop the piss out of each other. It's a shame that this is a fucking lumberjack match. Yeah, it's taken away from it. It really is. But um, I really enjoyed their Super Brawl Nine match. Um, that was the two out of well, like it was like double match. Yeah, they had to qualify. That was that was badass. But okay. yeah, this is this is what I grew up on, man. And I'm sorry for being so so silent, but. I like I really enjoy watching these four guys work and like this is to me this is what I would want to see in in a in a pro wrestling match these four guys the just just the way they all work It's got a good flow to it even even with the distractions uh what's the other guy down there Kenny Kenny Chaos you said right Yeah Kenny Chaos I only remember him a little bit and uh and he was also a big part of well, not a big part but he was a part of the uh the Mayhem video game. Other than that, I don't know too much about Kenny Chaos. I don't either. I don't either. And, I, again, the, it, he's just one of those guys like, hey, you're not doing anything. Grab a leather strap and go out and be Yeah, like, he was on his way to the bathroom. And it's like, <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. You take a shit in your own time. <laughs> That's why, probably why he's dancing around. Like, dude, I got I to gotta go. Like, he has to go create chaos. Like, he's asking people, hey, how much time left this match? <laughs> Squeeze hurry, my cheeks over yeah, here. Yeah, hurry the fuck up. Well, he's, I'm going to start wilding in a second. <laughs> See him shaking his leg out. Shaking oh, the fucking Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that is horrible. Uh, it's been done before, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you, yeah. You work retail, you know. <laughs> you know. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So, Kurt Hedding, he's got the uh, the black and white singlets, though. You know, he wore when he was uh, in, in uh, the NWO. Uh, when it comes to stuff like that, are you okay? Like as a booker, like yeah, go ahead and wear retired, you know, like recycled attire, like you know. Well, this particular, like he can get away with it because it's not branded with NWO shit. It just happens to be the colors, right? And he, his singlets were always that way. They were always predominantly black with another color. Like when he was in the War Games match where he turned on the Horseman, that's that, true. That was black, predominantly black, and then it had blue. So, but yeah, he, yeah, I don't mind this. I don't, I don't mind it. Um, actually, it's like fucking, it's all dirtied up with like baby oil and shit now. As we see, uh, that's his. That was his move. Yeah, <laughs> it was the Henning Plex uh, done by Dean Malenko on Kurt Henning. And now we see Dean DeMalico go over with the... Steps over with the Texas Cloverleaf. And it looks like he's got it in pretty decently. Dean Malenko, during, uh, during an episode of Eric Bischoff's podcast, uh, Eric Bischoff mentioned that Dean Malenko was... He acknowledged the fact that he was one of his best workers. And he's praising him and all this stuff. And nobody ever calls him out on it. So I'm going to do it, even though, you know... Maybe someday he'll he'll answer my question. If you thought Dean Lincoln was such a, a highly respected wrestler, why didn't you do anything with him? 
You know what? I think in Eric Bischoff's mind, he did do something with him. He let him be a cruiserweight. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Think about it. It's like, yeah, it's like, I he, let you breathe. He brought in those guys to be, you know, either top of the card and get, get everybody riled up or mid-card and and work. And to him, that was that was it. That was what those guys were there for. So I think as long as they fulfilled that role, yeah, that, it was like, oh, man, Dean Lincoln's great. It's like going to a, like a, an all-day metal festival and leaving early because it's like, I don't give a shit about the main band anymore. You know, I'm not. I know, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and debate on, on who's, you know, you know, good band or not a good band. But <laughs> you know, there's an upcoming festival, and, and, and Tool is a headliner. I can't stand their music. I, I think it's shit. <laughs> it's 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 fucking boring, and it's just shit. But there, I'm not going to the show. But there's like bands on on you know, beneath them. That's like I would I would go see them and then I just dip out, beat the crowds like a lot of WCW, what WCW did. It was just like cruiserweights and and then, you know other high octane matches. It was a guy in the audience yawning? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just like just leave because it's like I don't need to see the same fucking rematch over and over again. So. It's a shame that they, they mistreated guys like Malenko and Benoit and, and Kurt Henning and, 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 you know, and so the, on and, and so and forth. And again, uh, Malenko was another one who came from all Japan with yeah. such a pedigree and such a, a a reputation that preceded him. And he gets here, and don't get me wrong, like, I still like Dean Malenko in WCW, but it's it's just a kind of like a drop in the bucket of what he's actually capable of. As we would eventually see with Bret Hart throughout his time in WWE, especially, you could take a pure wrestler and give him a gimmick and ha- and teach him to work with it. It is much easier from a fan standpoint, which does represent something, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care what anybody fucking says. <laughs> it, it 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 does. It is it is a lot easier to take a pure wrestler like a Dean Malenko and and give him a gimmick. Yeah, and let him run with it, and teach him how to, to do it properly. In comparison to having somebody that's really good at talking and, and being a gimmick, and I'm like, all right, well, we gotta teach you how to wrestle. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that they they waited. You know, well, they waited as long as they did because they're, now they're out of business, and you had guys like Malenko, like Benoit. Like Jericho, who, yeah, of course, was already doing well on his own when it came to uh, cutting promos and everything. But it's like, you know, why couldn't you just teach him how to be, cut better promos? And you could rely. Imagine a WCW where you relied on younger talent instead of bringing in the same guys over and over again. You know, I was going through cards from WCW's past and, like, how many fucking times did I see Piper versus Hogan, you know, and <laughs> Flair versus 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 Hogan, which we're gonna we're gonna see in this yeah, show. Yeah, we yeah we will. It's just like again. Yeah. What's so special about it? Why don't? How about uh, Flair versus Benoit? Flair versus Malenko. Who wants to see that match? Going 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 back to the beginning of this pay per view. Where Mean Gene states like, "Hey, this is you know uncensored. It's for unsanctioned matches and stuff." I always thought a a good idea 
for this pay-per-view would not only be just the unsanctioned part of the deal, but it would be a hell of a time to revisit something something along the lines, maybe not necessarily exactly, but something along the lines of what they used to do for Battle Bowl. Yeah. Where it was everything was just supposed to be so fucking random. Yeah. That would have been great with these this fucking roster of guys. Because, yeah. How how would it have been like you know it's battle bowl guess what you know the, they spin the wheel or they you know they hold the lottery or whatever guess what Chris Benoit got a fight Ric Flair what yeah horseman versus horseman holy shit yeah that would have been fucking great and as we see Benoit just uh, going ape shit in the ring as he headbutts uh, Wyndham in the head. Dude, Benoit's a fucking beast. Benoit's just like, he, it, it, no matter how much he sweats, it's like it's not even bothering him. I have a feeling there was very little that bothered Benoit. Oh, no, he's got a, <laughs> he, he's he, got a belt. He took Wyndham's belt off of Wyndham, so now he has a belt. So many belts out there. Notice Norman Smiley's like, yeah, there goes Kendall Wyndham trying to shield his brother. The moment Benoit, <laughs> the moment Benoit went outside the ring with a belt, Norman Smiley completely hesitated to hit anyone. <laughs> nope, not this guy. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, now Henning just clocked Arn Anderson with the belt, the belt buckle, and then. Arn Anderson pulls out a tire iron from his uh, from his vest and, and Cole Cox, Kurt Henning. And now I think, if I'm not mistaken, they're going to tie up. Yeah, they're going to... Whoa, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Malenko is trying to essentially put a belt around Wyndham's uh, neck. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Oh, it was very slippery over there. They all, like, all three of those guys almost fumble-fucked one way or another off of that corner. Um, <laughs> Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko are your new tag team champions in the process. Somehow, Benoit flies three-quarters of the way across the ring, even after almost falling <laughs> off the fucking top rope. Yeah, that was scary. Um, and nails the diving headbutt on to Kurt Henning for the win. Again, dude, this doesn't get tiring for me. I, I could watch these guys all day. Arn Anderson, is he uh, he's a free agent right now. Yeah, just became a free agent. Um, you think of that? I'm a fucking excited. I hope AEW or Ring of Honor picks him up as a road agent or a producer <laughs> of some sort. I think letting letting that letting that guy go and just sit at home is is. That would be a fucking detriment to the industry. He's still got a lot to offer the the industry. And um, it, for somebody who's been working for WWE as long as he has, that's a really interesting timing to let him go. Yeah. You know? That's that's a they, gift. They let him go, and then they fucking pick up Bruce Pritchard. How does that work? <laughs> you say enough nice things on, uh, on your podcast, <laughs> you, know, you get what you want. 
all I'm going to say is I don't like when people uh, can't admit that they're wrong. That, that's all. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. But uh, as we see here, again, we got the replay here. Benoit, Malenko, new WCW World Tag Team Champions. And, uh, man, I miss Benoit. Yeah, me too. I, I just, I miss Benoit. It's it's one of the worst stories in, in all of professional wrestling. Uh, I think we're on to the next match now, right? Yeah. We are. We are on to the, on next, to the match. next match. This one right here is an interesting one. I don't know how, if I, if, as a professional wrestler, I don't know how I'd feel about putting something around my neck and saying, all right, go wrestle. Yeah, um, you, you have to have a lot of trust <laughs> in whoever you're working with in there. I, I think that's first and foremost. Uh, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I don't really have much to say about this match. No? Uh, if anything at all. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I love Chris Jericho. Always been a Chris Jericho fan. With or without Ralphus, who is head of Jericho Personal Security, according to his t-shirt. <laughs> Where did they find Ralphus? Or half shirt. I don't know. But uh, he looks like he eats sardines out of the garbage. Not even just out of the can, just out, out of the of garbage. The garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Where do they find this fucking guy? I have no idea. Uh, Jericho's coming out first. This is a dog collar match between Chris Jericho and Perry Saturn, who are continuing their feud. Uh, They've over, been feuding him for months right this Yeah, point. over from WCW Super Brawl. Right. Super Brawl 9. And I think even a little bit before even, that, too. Even back in January. Yeah, so. If I'm mistaken. So, Chris Jericho, he's coming out. He's got his uh, weird attire or entrance attire. And he got, here's another sad story in Perry Saturn. I don't know. I don't know at this point if his documentary ever has ever made it to the to the light of day just yet. And here we are in 2019. Um, but I know I know there was a company who was doing a documentary about him and and just uh just like going through and literally documenting his life post wrestling. And right. it's it's a pretty sad state of affairs. I mean, he's uh no money. He's been homeless quite a bit. Um, he's, uh, yeah, just down, just down, you know, not, not having a, a necessarily his best life. Right. Uh, I, I think he's, uh, I think he's partially blind. Jesus. Um, all kinds of shit going on with Perry Saturn. But the documentary was supposed to raise money to give to him, and they have. They have given him quite a bit of money, but he's still not able to uh, necessarily fend for himself. So I, I know the there's a, like a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter that you can search for um, to help support Perry Saturn. But yeah, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. You know, these days, if you if you doing any appearances or that, and you know what, that's the thing. Like, I don't get me wrong. Like, I understand where it could be a problem if you're homeless and you you know you don't have any money or whatever. But I I wonder why that wasn't kind of mentioned to him once he did get money. You know, a decent amount of money from from the the GoFundMe or the. 
So I do some cons. Yeah, do some you're doing your pierces and, here, yeah. You know, it's you're not gonna necessarily get rich, but I know he's done like podcast appearances. Yeah, and, and I, uh, with Raven on Raven's podcast, and I think Raven throws him throws him a, a a bone or two just for for being part of the podcast. But um, yeah, as far as I know, he's still having a, a rough go at it. Would there would there be any type of match that would you, know, you would draw the line on that I wouldn't do? Yeah, that you or that do. I don't want to see that you wouldn't do. Uh, man, I don't know. I don't. You know, I, I'm good. I I don't know, but I'm glad you bring it up because I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one match out there now only because. Of the day and age we live in, uh, you know, we live in the day and age of like anti-vaxxers uh, and, and things of that nature. Uh, I would probably do. I probably wouldn't want to do a match that involved me bleeding. Yeah. Because of there being so many issues now with all these these old diseases coming Titus. back. Yeah, and just it's kind of a scary thought, and it sucks too because you know, you as a wrestling fan, you go and. It's almost second nature at this point. A guy starts to bleed, and like you don't think about shit like that. You're too busy enjoying the match, and yeah. you know if if you're still in it for the bloodlust, you're into that too. And <laughs> it's yeah. But uh, I I recently had read uh, somewhere about uh, some indie wrestler who who had posted on his social media. I, I don't remember who it was, but he was kind of shitting a brick because he went to go get tested um, so that he can go compete somewhere and they were testing him for hepatitis and shit and like he genuinely had to like stop and think like shit uh, you know did I come into contact with this this or this right so he was he was nervous and uh, to my knowledge I think he passed with flying colors and there was no hepatitis or anything but scary fucking thought you know yeah, it goes back to the old days of juicing, man. Where <laughs> sharing needles with people and shit. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm talking uh, wrestling terms. Yeah, you know, and 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 cutting yourself. Oh, and, oh, you know, okay. So... And like just that idea of just having you know wrestling somebody with their you know their blood all over you and you know you don't think about shit like that. No, but you now, don't. You know now it's just like yeah, you're right. You know it's. You know what do you do? What do you do in a situation like that? And you know it, 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 in a weird way, as a wrestling fan, you 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 do have a little bit of blood loss for sure. Where it's like, man, that sucks. Like we're not going to see it anymore. But there's the real realistic mindset of like, well, there's a good reason why we don't see that anymore. You know, <laughs> you know, there's there's so many of us that that love hardcore wrestling. You know, I love watching hardcore wrestling, but. It does get uncomfortable after a while sometimes, depending on what they're doing, or you know, they 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 do they do spots where it's just like, man, you shouldn't you shouldn't risk shit like that, you know, or they do things like um, Mick Foley and, and Royal Rumble nights '99, where it's just like, stop, yeah, stop. That was uncomfortable to watch. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's things like that that happen, and you know, the the blood again, it, it's second nature, and. It, it adds to the match, but yeah, you're right. It, it would be hard. It would be hard, and 
you know, we become an accepting society, which is great, but it, it also comes in the problems where it's just like, what do you do if, uh, you know, we come into contact with this type of shit? So, you know, it it is scary. We're uh, we're gonna let you enjoy this coll- this dog collar match between Chris Jericho and Perry Saturn, and uh, we'll catch back up with you after after we pay some more bills. So stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Ebates. Do you do online shopping at all? Excellent. If you do, you can help support the show and save some money while you purchase stuff online. Have access to over 10,000 different shops online, including major brands such as Nike, GameStop, Uber, Burger King, and just about any other online store that you can think of, including Amazon. Each purchase you make helps support the show and saves you money. Accrue enough cash back and then cash out and receive your big fat paycheck in the mail from Ebates. Take the time, support the heels, support the baby faces, support your 20 by 20 ring crew, and be like the boys. Save some money. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash Ebates. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are here celebrating the 20th anniversary of WCW's Uncensored 1999. And uh, we're going to count you back in uh, from three. We're at the two-hour, 30-minute mark right on the dot. In three, two, one, we hit play. Uh, we have fast-forwarded for you guys. We'll let you guys enjoy the... Uh, the pay-per-view a bit without uh, interruption so we completely skipped over Booker T defeating Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner for the TV title which quite honestly um, I don't think either one of us had much to say I think the highlight of the match for me was Scott Steiner taking one of the fans belts at ringside and, <laughs> and whipping it against the apron yeah trying to fuck it up other than that it was uh the year's night too. <laughs> it's kind of a shit show. Um, we are now watching the the Bob Wire cage lower uh, over Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, and Ric Flair. Ric Flair has already told the referee that although this is a first blood match, he does not want the match to stop any other way than by the referee's discretion. So, no little scratches, no bullshit like that. There's got to be some real blood flowing going on. And this match uh, has some stipulations. First of all, it is for the heavyweight title. Yeah. It is a steel cage match. It's a first blood match. If Hogan wins, Flair has to retire. And if Flair wins, Flair is going to be the WCW president for life. And also the heavyweight champ. Um, there's a lot of stipulations for this fucking match. <laughs> um, I know, I know that uh, you know it, the overall theme here is is a, a, quite a power struggle between these two. Hogan, you know, obviously wants to run rough shot over everybody as part of the NWO, and, and, and at this point, uh, I think he's billed as being part of the Wolfpack, but he's got, he's got like both colors on his NWO gear. He's got 
like black letters outlined in red, but he's got a lot of white going on. His his uh, do rag he came out with was like half red, half white. Yeah. He spray painted the belt in red. So that um, that happened the night he won the title on the January fourth. Yeah. Next day, nine episode of uh, Nitro, aka Finger Poker Doom. At this point, Flair and Hogan, you know, is there enough hype that you can still get in? At that point, Nation 99 for you, where you could be like, man, Hogan, Flair, like, they're doing this again. No, in 1999, no. Again, uh, NWO was, was getting boring to me. And again, I was still a fan, but I I was I was on to other different things as well, not just this. Right. Um, Flair, I'm always a fan of Flair, but uh, to see him have to wrestle Hogan again, it's it's just monotonous at this point. So it's interesting there where uh, Hogan does the uh, multiple elbows. Well, that but even before that, he did a, a slam on on Flair and. Infamously, for those who don't know, Ric Flair never falls flat on his back, which stems back to the uh, the plane crash. Yep. And there was an episode I was watching of Raw. I, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Bradshaw or maybe Farouk that picked him up and hit him with a spine buster and, like, dropped him flat on his back. Oh, Jesus. And the look... On Ric Flair's face when he got slammed, like Ric Flair's, a, he's a professional. He'll sell to anybody. That that was one of the rare times where he didn't sell. It was motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I sucks. I don't remember what what uh, I was watching exactly, but yeah, it was. If looks could kill, like he was at he was he was after blood and. uh it was just interesting because, again, Ric Flair is the constant professional that would sell to anybody. <laughs> and he did. You know, I mean, this is the guy that sold the Bischoff multiple times. So. <laughs> it was interesting. It was interesting to see that. So, uh, you got barbed wire cage match. It's not the first time that we will see this in a, in a wrestling ring. And in promo- in in, in not just WCW, but WWE. Is that is that overkill? As we see a, a horrible I thing for I think the stipulations are overkill. There's there's that you but know, yeah. but um, no, I, I know the barbed wire doesn't it doesn't resonate as overkill for me because Flair's trying to make a point. Yeah. He doesn't want Hogan to get get any help. He doesn't want there, he wants there to be no escape for Hulk Hogan, so that he could have his way with him. Um, so that as as far as that goes to me it works but again watching this in 1999 as it happened uh, there were much ex- much more exciting things in my life going on and uh, as much as I love watching Ric Flair uh, him versus Hogan just wasn't really doing it for me like other stuff was but going back now watching this it's it's actually a decent match between these two guys um, so we'll give you know take that for what it's worth. Right. But uh, I really love the idea of 
Ric Flair stating before the match, like, hey, I want referee's discretion. Don't kick me out of the match because I got a fucking scratch on me. That was cool as hell, especially as we see Hogan opening Ric Flair up here with a bite, no less. And he's, he's, uh, he's starting to bleed. And he, he, he opens up pretty good in, in a matter of, uh, I think like two minutes. He's like the whole, uh, right side of his head is pretty much covered in blood. Someone threw a roll of toilet paper in the ring. Nice. (laughs) As, as Flair moons the crowd, thanks to Hogan. That was such a thing in the uh, in the nineties, man. Was was throwing garbage in the ring. <laughs> Who has a roll of toilet paper on them at this point? You know, it's like you'd be surprised what people <laughs> came came with to the to the show. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy sometimes. And as as, as shitty as it is, they throw shit in there. I mean, there was a time not that long ago, prior to this uh, show from happening, as Hogan has. You know, a handful of barbed wire. There you go. <laughs> Makes that barbed wire look intimidating. Um, it was glorified. It was it was like a thing where it's like, hey, they're throwing garbage. Like we got them, and uh, not they never necessarily said, hey, it's okay to throw garbage in the ring. But it was just like, man, like we got them. We got them throwing garbage. Like we're over. And it was like a, almost like a term of endearment. And then it became like things like batteries and and glass bottles and ignorant shit. You should have saw that coming. Though. <laughs> I know, re- not you know recently as in just a couple of years ago, WWE dealt with that, and uh, they ended up taking Stephanie McMahon off of camera because people were throwing like full glass bottles at her and, and like. <laughs> You know, it was it was real heat like that where it's like, oh, they're actually trying to hurt her. It's like, well, yeah, she's portraying that character, and 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 you know, it's unfortunately you have psychotic people that just fucking don't know right from wrong. So it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see uh, how far it goes from things like uh, Ring of Honor, where it's a thing to throw. Uh, you know, confetti in the ring or, or well, streamers. Streamers, there you go. Can't think of the name. And that's okay, which, you know, they're not designed to hurt. You know, it doesn't hurt if you hit by one, but, or, well, it depends. You can, you know, you ask Chucky e. T, you know, he got hurt <laughs> by one once. But, uh, you know, it's, a, it's like a thing where it's, uh, you know, where do we draw the line to where it's, What's okay and what's what's not okay. It's not okay to put your hands on Charles Robinson. That's true. Flair Flair has uh, some sort of taped brass knuckles of sorts. You don't even know. Yeah, he just he just uh, stiffed Hogan with them. He puts it in his boot like he has to hide it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, this is supposed to be unsanctioned by WCW. Like, don't stop the match because I'm bleeding, but yeah. I have to hide the fact that I'm hitting him with something in the in the face. 
we see David Flair in a Wolfpack t-shirt come down with the ever-so-gorgeous Tori Wilson. And uh, remember, a, a, a month earlier than this, Flair, Ric Flair was betrayed by his, his son in a match. And uh, now David Flair is... Is part of the NWO Wolfpack and and kind of working with and for Hogan. <laughs> what do you think of David Flair? Um, the word "unfortunate" comes to mind. Okay. Um, and I say that because, you know, we got to see that Nitro on January fourth, right? Where, you know. Flair's like, you're not ready to be in the ring with me as my tag team partner. And Arn Anderson's like, no, no, the kid's okay. <laughs> he no, knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> and it, it sucks because it, he's got a bunch of stuff going, go, not going his way here in life. So right off the bat, number one, he is Ric Flair's son. Yeah. And those are, those are really big fucking boots to fill. Um, especially if you're going to hang around the wrestling industry. Right. Uh, and then two, he was never properly trained uh, around this time. He kind of did it ass backwards where he showed up on TV as part of an angle and they used him in the ring and he just kind of was like, he, they essentially like he was shown some bare minimal bullshit, which is, which is really sad because Ric Flair is your father. Yeah. <laughs> But then they let him. They let him work like that, and it wasn't until way later in his time and tenure with WCW that he did stop and and kind of go behind the scenes and start working at the power plant and kind of becoming a, almost a trainer of sorts with the with the company. So he did it ass backwards. Uh, so he started out as a as a shitty wrestler with no training to uh, a mediocre wrestler with training, you know, with training that he had to go, like, go and seek out. But yeah, unfortunate nonetheless. I think if they would have taken the time to figure shit out with him and, and use him wisely, I think they would have got much more out of him, you know? Can you imagine a world where the offspring of Ric Flair ended up being even even a fraction of what he you know the father his father was i mean again we do have charlotte you know she turned out to be that and it's it's ironic because she's the one that with the exception of uh the other sister the other daughter should say probably had the least interest of being a wrestler yeah you know so um it it is it is an intriguing story and uh it's one of those things where we have to step back and, and realize that how special Ric Flair is. You know, I mean, you can't just be like, oh, it's in his blood, it's in his genes. You look at somebody like David Flair, and I, I agree with what you're saying. He could have been a decent wrestler, but there's nothing about him that's that, that shows that he would ever be anything close to, to his father. Yeah, and and that that's that's where he fails. It, it's it's even even if he turned out to be a, a, a decent wrestler, he's not Ric Flair. No, and because of that, he's he, he's he's already failed. 
And that's that's where it sucks. But on top of that, for for him is that he didn't have the 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 training, he lacked the charisma, and it's just like a, it was a lose lose as he didn't even take that right. Where Arn comes from behind and hits him from behind, and he's not prepared for it. He hits his face right on the cage, right on the cage, just ricochets right off. Iron is in no rush of getting Tory Wilson off his back. Yeah, right. And he pulls out the tire iron once again for the second time man, of the he's, night. He's just like, man. And uh, hands it off to Flair. And Flair's going to use it on Hogan here. Right in the top of the fucking head. Again, like, it's got you got to hide it. Yeah. You know, it, this is no DQ. <laughs> Get it out of your arm. I don't want to get disqualified when there's no disqualification match. He goes straight to the figure four. Hey, brother, this is not how you put it on. Yeah, oh, God, that... Uh... Fast count by Charles Robinson. Yeah, and that was it. Flair is your new world heavyweight champion. This would be his 14th ring. Yeah, too. 14th time. Um, I really liked watching this years later as opposed to watching it happen live. Um, don't get me wrong, it was special to see Ric Flair hit number 14. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy it much, I, I enjoy and appreciate it much more now than, than I did, uh, previous to this. Well, it's, all, it's a part of history now, you yeah. know, I mean, it's. He's a sixteen-time world champion. He's gonna he's gonna win it two more times. So to see it now in comparison, and and look at David, David, <laughs> just just leave. Just, I would just just stay hurt. Yeah, you know, just what are you doing? He's trying to help Hogan out. Get up, brother. He's not even doing that right. Hogan's yeah. like, what the fuck is going on? Like, dude, yeah, yeah, leave me alone. I, I gotta play this off a little bit more. It says him, even though he hulked up earlier. I, 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 I wasn't even going to say anything. <laughs> that guy. There's a little girl in the front row that doesn't seem too happy. I don't know where the fake kid's at. I think he's sitting back down. The marionette puppet. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's WCW Uncensored, Uncensored 1999. Any final thoughts here? Decent card. Yeah, it was a decent card. You know, um, I, I think the only gripe, like the true gripe, is uh, the the tag match. It, it got overshadowed by a lot of the uh, interferences. Some of the guys who were lumberjacks tried to take over the match at some points. <laughs> uh, Kidman and Whipwreck, they, they were a solid match. But uh, it just, this is the point of WCW where even though it's not quite there yet, you can see the declines happen. It's like... It's like hitting the the top of the the roller coaster. You can see the ground, but you're not there yet. Yeah. And that's that's what Uncensored was. It wasn't a bad show. It wasn't a bad show. It's definitely worth. If you haven't seen it, definitely worth checking out. Uh, you, which you can do over on the the on the WWE Network, and you can get that through us at twenty x twenty crew dot com slash podcast slash WWE Network. That's all one word, and uh, you can get thirty days free. 30 days. days free. So you can check it out. 
absorb as much as you can, and then make your decision on whether or not you want to keep it or not. But uh, whether you keep it or not, you go through us, you support the show, and we can't thank you enough for that. So, uh, yeah, that's Uncensored in a nutshell. And on that note, we're going to end the show. Again, you can catch us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 20x20crew is our official page. Facebook.com slash groups slash 20x20talk is where you can come and hang out and talk to us personally and uh, share your wrestling knowledge with us. Uh, We're also on Twitter at 20x20crew. You can also find us on Instagram at 20x20crew. We are also on YouTube where we have the following contest where we fantasy book um, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Get more information on that over on our YouTube channel, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash YouTube. And then, of course, our home on the web, 20x20crew.com, where you can always find all of our previous episodes and merch and the whole nine. And so, on that note, we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode, this anniversary episode of WCW Uncensored 1999, celebrating 20 years. And until next time, we will see see you in the ring. ring.